Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast. This is Pastor Deary. Dr. Miles Monroe once said that the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without a purpose, life with wrong priorities. This quote is relevant to our discussion of saying yes to God in Kairos moments because wrong priorities block us from the perfect will of God in our lives. Today we continue our series titled Say Yes with a message titled Kingdom Priorities. Listen in, take notes, and I'll talk with you at the end of the podcast. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I'm ready for a new season. Praise the Lord. We're going to talk to you today. Um, I see that I didn't change the slide here that says, say yes, part five. We're actually on say yes, part six. And we're going to talk today about kingdom priorities. Tell your neighbor, say kingdom priorities. In other words, there's a kingdom that God has established and that kingdom has uh, some things in it that we want to understand, but we understand that by first understanding that God has endured us, um, God is enduring through us a season which we are, in, we're placed, let me say it this way, I'm going to say it directly. We don't fully embrace the time we live in. And because we don't embrace the time that we live in, we're sometimes waiting for another time. Sometimes we're waiting for a time to come when God says now is the acceptable time. And so sometimes I have caught myself in life waiting for God to do things for me. And God is saying, now's the acceptable time. I've empowered you. I've equipped you. But you're going to have to pull yourself out of your today and step into tomorrow. You have to pull yourself out of your current circumstance and move to a new place because you can't go anywhere. Let me say it this way. You can't, you can't grab the future standing in the past. You, you can't grab a hold of what God has for you in the future if you're still hanging on to the past. Amen? Now's the acceptable time. Now is a new time. Now is the time that was not yesterday. So while there may be things that I grew up around or things I grew up in or things that happened to me when I was another age before that have nothing to do with my now. There are some people who want to label me by yesterday, but that doesn't make a difference because I'm not in yesterday. I'm in now. <laughs> Amen. I'm not in yesterday. What I was yesterday, what I did yesterday, that's yesterday. But yesterday follows us if we don't pass through something that erases yesterday. And what erases yesterday in my life is the blood of Jesus. When I step into the blood of Jesus, it washes me of whatever was behind me. And now I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Romans 5 and 17. Excuse me. Yes. Second Corinthians 5 and 17 says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation. I am a new creation. Tell your neighbor, say, I am a new creation. And as a new creation, I got a new way of thinking. Amen. Come on. I got a new way of thinking. I used to think that I might die broke. And so I had to try to live a certain way to hustle to make sure that doesn't happen. (laughs) Amen. But I got a new way of thinking. Amen. Oh, man, I didn't get a lot of amens. I got a new way of thinking now. I got a new way of thinking. I'm not concerned with being broke. 
<laughs> Amen. I got a new way of thinking. I'm not concerned about dying tomorrow. I got a new way of thinking. Amen. I'm not afraid of sickness and disease because I've got a new way of thinking about life. <laughs> Amen. I'm not worried about being alone. I got a new way of thinking. I had to break my mindset about how I think about things. And if I'm going to walk into tomorrow, I got to break today's way of thinking. <laughs> Amen. Come on, let's read our foundation scripture. Second Corinthians chapter one. You don't have to turn there. Matter of fact, you open your Bible to Matthew chapter six. And I'm going to read you two foundation scriptures we've been working from. The first is second Corinthians chapter one, verse 18 through 20, which says, but God as faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among us, preached to you by us, by me, Sylvanus, Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him amen to the glory of God through us. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him through you. In other words, all the promises of God that come into the earth, they got to come through you. They got to come through somebody. They got to come through a person. They don't just fall out of the sky and all the promises of God are dropping down from heaven. It doesn't work like that. God brings all promises through people. <laughs> and why can't it be you? Amen. <laughs> Amen. God brings all promises through people. And he said to the glory, to his glory through us. Paul said me and not just me, Paul, the apostle. Yes, I'm writing most of the New Testament. Yes, I was a Pharisee that got converted to Christianity in a dramatic way, but not just me, boring Timothy. The word came through him. The one who grew up a Christian for the, for the majority of his whole life, never had any outside world experience. The word came from me, who was religious. It came through him, who grew up in the church, and it came through Sylvanus, who just was a wild person who didn't know God and got converted. It came through all three of us. <laughs> it came through the wild man, it came through the, 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 the church boy, and through the religious zealot. <laughs> but all the promises are yes and amen, and it don't make no difference who you are. They're yes and amen. Amen? All God's promises are yes, and they are amen. Now, let's look at Ephesians. You stay where you are, Matthew 6. I'm going to read you Ephesians 5, because we've been talking the last few weeks about appointed times and Kairos time. Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16. See, then you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say, I want to know the will of the Lord. And once you know it, understand it. There's some things I know I don't understand. I know Kaiser is a hospital, but I don't understand how it works. It's a, a sophisticated hospital system. 
It's not just a building with doctors in it. The doctors are structured inside the business, the building. The doctors all have specialties. There's all kinds of stuff going on. They got radiology and they got all kinds of different things going on. In the, I don't understand the hospital, but I know how to go there when I need to. <laughs> but he says here, don't just know, understand what the will of the Lord is. We know in general what the, word of the, what the will of the Lord is, but do you understand what the will of the Lord is for you, moment to moment, when you're doing things, when you're in the midst of things, when you're dealing with people, when all things are going on, do you understand what the will of the Lord is so that you're not ignorant? Ignorant is a bad word, but guess what? Unwise means ignorant. Amen. <laughs> See that you walk circumspectly. In other words, just don't walk to walk. Walk with a plan. Circumspect. You understand what's around you. You understand where you are in the moment. And you walk circumspectly, redeeming the time. Tell your neighbor, say, redeem the time. Redeem the time means to buy back what has already been left from you. So your time, redeeming the time, means that you're able to buy back the time that has passed in order to use it currently now. If you look at a bottle, on a bottle will always say redemptive value. What does it cost to redeem it? Two cents. <laughs> Amen. You can redeem that bottle for two cents. In other words, somebody's willing to give you two cents for a bottle you already used. <laughs> so the redeemer is the one who buys back stuff that's already been used. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm buying back time because I've been granted that by my redeemer. <laughs> Somebody who bought me says I'm empowering you to buy other stuff. Oh, man, come on. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You can't say yes to Kairos moments if you don't understand the will of God. As much as we want to, we can't take advantage of divine appointments or understand Kairos moments, those moments of decision, unless we understand what the will of God is. When you don't understand the will of God, then you make decisions that seem right in the moment. When I was young, we were out, <laughs> we were kids as a matter of fact, and we were walking around and there was uh, some kid threw a rock, went over a fence and it broke a window. And if you, I, I don't know, it, 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 something weird about my neighborhood when we were kids, we just, the sound of broken windows sounded good to us for some reason. So, <laughs> so one kid threw a rock, we hear the window break and nothing happens. So another kid throws a rock, psh, there's another window break. So next thing you know, there's, there's, there's this, this energetic throwing of rocks. And all of a sudden, something came over me, and I walked away. There's about 10 people. I just disappeared. Later that afternoon, I'm sitting on my porch, and a police car drives up, and the two kids across the street are being brought into the house by the police. So they said, how did you know to leave? <laughs> Sometimes you understand <laughs> not just the moment is the right thing to do. 
Later on, as we got older and the stakes got higher, we were somewhere doing something one day, and the same thing happened. I felt something, and I left, and I found out later, oh, man, you missed it. I said, I didn't miss it. I got out of there. (laughs) What I'm saying is that there are moments that go wrong that we're responding just in emotion or feeling, and things aren't the way they're supposed to be, but inside we know this is not, something's wrong. And sometimes we get swept up in that moment and we don't do what we know to do, which is remove ourselves from situations because that's not the moment for me. So instead of being in wrong moments, can I navigate to the right moments where we're in a moment where somebody said, you missed it, man, we got blessed. What? How come I wasn't there? (laughs) Same reason I left over there. Amen. The same way, if you understand the will of God, you can navigate to the right places for the right moments so that when the Kairos moment occurs, you are there where you're supposed to be instead of the moment of judgment on the other side. See, there's a moment of judgment that comes just like a moment of blessing comes, but you got to discern what the will of the Lord is and where you're going to be when judgment comes. When judgment comes, I want to be judged as blessed and in the right position. Amen. I don't want to be judged as condemned and wrong. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm going to quote something from Miles Monroe. It says he has a book that uh, I was uh, reading a few years back and this came to mind. And I looked it up. It says time is the measure of life. In fact, time is the currency of life. How you spend your time determines the quality of your life and death. You become whatever you buy with your currency called time. Always be aware that everything and everyone around you is vying for your time. Your time is important because your time is your life. And the key to effective use of time is establishing correct priorities. (laughs) Amen. When I was in school, I learned about what's called Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I've showed you guys a slide before. We're going to bring up a slide real quickly. Right. So we got this basic triangle here and we got on the what would be your right hand side is kind of three layers and those three layers concern number one basic needs number two is psychological needs and number three is self-fulfillment needs so they break down to physiological things at the lowest level which is food water those are basic things everybody has to have those to survive but then when you come up a level we get to where it's about security and safety and about whether or not i'm in a safe place and then we come up a level and it becomes about relationships and 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 do i have people in my lives and then you come up another level and it gets about how i use my gifts and talents then we get to and notoriety rather and then we get to the highest level and it's about how Am I perceived? My self-actualization, do I feel like I have fulfilled my purpose? And if you look at those three on that side, one thing you'll notice when we describe things like being third world, a country as being third world, it's considered third world because it's struggling for the first two levels. 
is struggling for food, shelter? Do we have safe places? Any place that doesn't have systems that allow us to easily access food or easily be safe, then we say that's a third world country. And then if you come up a level, you have, quote, second world, which we don't use very often, and I'll explain why in a moment. But then you, you get to that, and you're dealing with then esteem needs, and you're dealing with issues of, again, relationships and, and how we deal with people around us and interpersonal relationships. Those things become part of that second band. Our psychological needs, how are we cared for, those things become part. And then the highest level is when we're goal chasing and when we're in a position where we can go after things, those become first world problems, as we say. <laughs> Amen. So most of us in the room today probably are either at level two or level one. You're either somebody who's probably dealing with psychological issues, again, belonging, friendships, prestige, you're dealing with those things, or you're dealing with where my purpose is, where I'm going, where I'm trying to get to. What's going to make my life worthwhile when I get to the end of my life? Those are the kinds of things we begin battling when we come up to different levels. Now, the whole country that we live in strives, strives after attainment of these things. And from the person who is struggling and is maybe homeless, they're striving to get certain things. And the person who's in the second tier, they're striving to get things. And there are people who are doing different things. All we have is we have all these human needs that we are approaching and addressing. And you might say, what does that have to do with time? Because how you spend your time will show us where you are on this scale. See, a homeless person is not worried about his destiny. He's worried about eating. It may be in my mind my destiny, but ultimately what I'm really concerned with, where's my next meal coming from? That's my concern. And when you have people who don't like you, you may cry a moment, but then you get back to dealing with your need. Amen? These are human needs. Now, those break down into three things that God also said, three kinds of people. The distressed, the indebted, and discontented. <laughs> Amen? Now, listen. How you spend your time, <laughs> time is the measure of your life. In fact, time is the currency of your life. How you spend your time tells us where you are. Now, you're in Matthew chapter 6, correct? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Maslow's study revealed that man, his observations, let's put it that way. Psychology is the observation of human behavior. Sometimes we think it's there to solve problems. It's not. It's there to observe issues. We draw conclusions on solutions from there. But psychology actually observes human behavior and marks it or labels it based on it uh, what it sees. Maslow saw human behavior and said, this is what people's, people are. And he was accurate. But you... Don't live on that triangle. <laughs> See, you may have those needs, but you don't live on that triangle. 
And the reason you don't live on that triangle is because your needs don't get met by yourself. Your needs get met by God. I want you to listen close. Matthew 25, excuse me, Matthew 6, verse 25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, the first thing that the Maslow says is, I observe that the basic human need is food, water. And we agree that we have to have those things. But do you pursue those things? Do you chase after those things? Do you run after them? Do you, do you occupy your mind and space with how you're going to live your life based on those things? And we say no, because we don't live in a third world country. And those things are accessible to us. And we don't worry about those, right? For the most part, most people in here are not worried about it. If you're thirsty, you're just going to go get something to drink. You're not going to have to strive or toil or fight to get it. So you're not worried about it because your assumption is it's accessible to me. So I don't worry about that. If I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty right now. I'm not worried about it. There's a bottle over there, a bottle over here. I'm going to drink that bottle. I'm going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> you're only worried about those things that are outside of your grasp or those things where fear has come in to torment you, torment you. Amen? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not of more value than they? Are you of not more value than the birds of the air? See, what he's saying here, he says, you know what? He's not talking to Maslow, but he's talking about the same thing Maslow's talking about. Maslow says, hey, there's human needs, and this is what people are striving to do. And you always start with the basic need. But what he says here is, don't start with the basic need. Don't worry about that stuff. You need to worry about your value before God. Man, you need to consider first your value. Amen? Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, you're important to God. <laughs> Amen. Verse 28, excuse me, verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cupid to his stature? Which one of you guys has to worry to get a little bit taller? Which one of you, by worrying, can get one inch taller? Trust me, I didn't worry to get this. <laughs> I didn't have to worry to get it. I just, it just came on its own. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Once again, because we live in America and because we can go to stores anywhere and find clothes, we don't worry about it. 
The majority of American people don't worry about where they're getting their next clothes from. They're worried about when they're getting something new. They're worried about, does, do my shoes and my belt match? Come on, and they, they match. Don't, don't play me. I'm, 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 I'm matching. <laughs> but most of us aren't worried about the acquisition of those things because we already have it. We have those things, and we're not worried about those. And that also leads to the pride in the American church. Because sometimes we're not trusting God, we're trusting ourselves. Sometimes we're trusting ourselves so much, we're trusting in who we are, we're trusting in our names, we're trusting in all kinds of stuff, we're trusting things and trusting things. And so when it comes time, it's a new year, I'm going to set New Year's resolutions, we bake a bunch of irrelevant resolutions. Because we got so much stuff. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, say, uh, yeah, you matching, baby, you matching. <laughs> Amen. Come on. Tell them, tell them, you matching. I see you. Come on. This passage tells us, don't worry. God values you. Don't worry because God values you. Let's go to verse 31. Therefore, do not worry saying, what do we eat? Or what should we drink? Or what should we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. <laughs> I was watching this TV show, and uh, they were... They were, uh, uh, they were arguing over people's clothes. And so they're going back and forth about this person, oh, they're, they're dressed perfectly. Oh, it's trash, it's trash. They go, they're going back and forth, you know, arguing over how the person is dressed. The person's thinking, they, they, they looked in the mirror, they had consultants all tell them that this was the right thing from the colors right on your face. They, they, did, they went through all of that, put this stuff on, walked out in front of a whole group of people, and then two other people are sitting back here saying, oh, that's terrible. That's, oh, what are they doing? How could they even do that? And, oh, oh, no, it's, it's the best. Oh, my God. It's couture. It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, you know, they're, they're breaking all this stuff down, right? It's all subjective. But then their conversation will have somebody looking in the mirror at home, worrying about coming out with what they got. <laughs> what happens? Worry settles in by where we spend our time. And if I spend my time ingesting things that cause me to worry then even if those principles don't apply to my life, they still affect me and I'm still worried about it. I know people who are worried about their retirement and make $150,000 a year and they're worried about their retirement. I know people. <laughs> I know people who are struggling with things that aren't real. Why? They're struggling with things who aren't real because they're consumed with thoughts. Their thoughts are beating them down, and their time gets spent on worry as opposed to their time being spent on solutions. 
Worry is what holds you in the past so you can't prepare for tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Verse 32. For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. All these things. God knows what we need. And when Christians are still worried about the same thing that the world is worried about, it means we're off track. When we're still worried about the same things the rest of the world is worried about, it's because we're not on track about where we're supposed to be. Praise the Lord. Guess what? You've got to have clothes. You've got to have food. Yes, you have to have all those things. But to worry about those things and be concerned with those things or to not go somewhere because I don't have the right clothes or not do this because I don't have the right that or do this other thing. Those things are traps of the adversary to hold us in a fear. And you can't have faith and fear abiding in the same space. We are people of faith. We're people called to faith. And because we're called to faith, we got to get our minds on faith. And there's only one way to get it there. And we will not understand what the will of God is or the priorities we need to set until we start to start with the first right priority. Verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do you understand what the kingdom is? Because you can't look for what you don't know what you're looking for. (laughs) My wife told me the other day, she said, go get that thing over there. And I'm going to be able be, I'm, I'm looking for the thing. I don't know what the thing is, but I'm looking for the thing. And I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I'm in, my, in my mind, I'm trying to figure out what thing is it that she's asking me to get. I know if I see it, I'll know it, but I'm looking for the thing. And I'm looking in the wrong place. She said, not over there, it's over there. But what thing? What thing am I looking for? <laughs> Amen. If you're looking for a thing and you don't know what the thing is, you ain't going to find the thing. Or if you do find the thing, you're going to find a thing that you might not want. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, 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 before I got married, I had a list of what I wanted, right? I had my list of what, what I want and what I don't want. <laughs> I made my list and I met my wife. I said, well, you, you made the list. You're the one, right? You're the one. Okay, so we got married and everything else. And then six months later, I'm saying, I don't know if this is the one. <laughs> Wait a minute. She was on the list, right? I know, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm off track. Let me get back. Let me get, let me get back to the message. <laughs> I did find a good thing. Amen. Seek. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Praise the Lord. When I made my list, God edited my list. Praise the Lord. He edited my list. And when he edited my list, he put some things on there I wasn't expecting to put on there. But praise the Lord. It's what I needed. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you got to let the kingdom be what you seek so that when you find the kingdom, you find out God values you and knows you. 
Man, come on now. God values you and knows you because he knows you when you seek the kingdom and all the things are added to you. The things that get added to you are the things that he's putting to you. So when I get a wife who's trying to make me mature, what did, he, what was he, what did God do? I sought the Lord. I sought the kingdom. I found my wife. And guess what? He said, now we're going to grow you up, partner. Let me work on you. Why? Because what's happening? The kingdom is coming over me. And when the kingdom comes on me now, God is doing things. Because the thing about the kingdom to understand this is the kingdom is not religion. The kingdom is not even Christianity. The kingdom is the kingdom of heaven brought to earth where you are. (laughs) Amen. The kingdom is God bringing heaven to earth where you are. Because there's no kingdom where no king is. Amen. If you honor God as the king, then you're in the kingdom. If you don't honor God as the king, you're not in the kingdom. Because why? The kingdom is only where the king has authority. The kingdom is only where the kingdom has rule. The king has authority. When the king has authority, then that's part of the kingdom. Amen. (laughs) We don't get it because we don't have kings. As a matter of fact, we're a country who pushes off kings. (laughs) Anybody who acts like a king, we can try to get rid of them. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Somebody's trying to act like a king right now. They might wake up. Even the people that put you there don't want you to be the king. (laughs) Amen. Seek first. Priority. Priority. Time is your currency. Where you spend your time determines your life. So you have to know what the king's priorities are, that the kingdom priorities are, so that you seek the right things. Amen? You do not want to be the person who becomes excellent at irrelevant things. That's not who you want to be. You don't want to be the person who's excellent at things that don't matter. (laughs) Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Not only seek the kingdom, but seek his righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness means to be in right standing with authority. To be in right relationship with authority. To be in right position with authority. That's what righteousness is. So my righteousness was created for me when I stepped into Christ. Where all the promises of God became yes and amen when I'm in Christ. Because being in Christ gave me right standing with God without regard to my behavior or my issues or my things that I brought to the kingdom. (laughs) Amen. Amen. I brought anger to the kingdom and God said, don't worry, I'm going to wash that anger with the blood of Jesus. I brought, a, I brought a rebellious spirit into the kingdom. God said, don't worry, I'm going to I got something for that. I'm going to wash that rebellion off of you. I'm going to teach you how to be compliant. I'm going to teach you how to flow with authority. I'm going to teach you not to be the talkback king. Always got an opinion about everything. You got to tell everybody what you think. You, I'm going to wash that off of you. And I'm going to bless you. I'm going to put a new spirit in you. 
I'm going to make you a new creation because you sought the kingdom and it's now revealed to you. Seeking the kingdom is what we do when we put ourselves in a position where we desire to know God deeper. Seeking the kingdom happens when we say, you know what? I'm not going to worry about other stuff. I'm going to worry about how I'm relating to God. So the truth is, is that when we start to seek the kingdom, God starts to add things to us. The things that we were seeking or pursuing on the, on the, on the hierarchy, we pursue things. In this, we pursue the kingdom and the things are added to you. What happens is it's a transformation because now we're starting with purpose as opposed to trying to get ourselves up to purpose. So if tomorrow I found myself without food or water, I wouldn't look for food or water. I'd look for God. Because when I find God, I'm going to find the food and water. (laughs) Amen. If I find myself in tough situations, I'm going to look for God. See, I learned, this for, I learned this personally. I learned it when I was a uh, human resources professional and I lost my job. And I said, okay, the company closed. And Tammy still laugh about because they, when they, <laughs> the way they closed the company, uh, I wasn't getting paid. And so, <clears throat> so I, I got mad and they had this TV in there. <laughs> so I t- took the TV <laughs> and I, I Walked out and brought the TV. It was a little bitty TV. It was only about this big, right? And I was so mad. I had been going weeks without getting paid. As a matter of fact, I was getting paid late. And all of a sudden, the lady said, well, hey, we, you, ain't, you ain't getting paid. I said, well, I'm taking this TV. <laughs> I, took that little, I had that little TV under my arm, and I came home. I told Tammy, I said, I, I got brought this TV home. <laughs> well, what about the check? <laughs> I, still, I still got that little TV in the garage. On top of the refrigerator in the garage, just to remind me. But I said, Psh, I'm going to get a job. I get people jobs all the time. I'm going to get me a job. Forget that. <laughs> so I started looking for a job, and I didn't, for months and months and months, I couldn't find a job. And I was getting down. And the Holy Spirit said, stop looking for the job. Look for me. Stop, 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 stop. Because I'm getting frustrated because I I had 25 different resumes. (laughs) I had a resume for everything. Oh, that looks good. I'll shoot this one up. Number seven. Oh, you get number nine over here. I was was sending resumes everywhere. They're all different. They all got something, you know. They all got the same skills. I got them all moved around, Carl. Different emphasis over here. I got all this stuff with nothing biting. And when you're supposed to be good at finding jobs for other people and you can't find a job, Something's wrong. <laughs> and that's what everybody says. Something's wrong. You ain't, looking for, you ain't really looking for no job. Oh, no, I want to be broke. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not looking for a job. I, I like being broke. I, I, li- I really I adore having two little kids at the house and having no food. I, I love that. It just feels so good. No, I'm not looking for a job. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. Most people get into those situations and they go into neutral because fear overwhelms them. It's not people don't want to work. It's that people get neutralized. Fear overwhelms them. 
fear overtakes them and the bills and the bill collectors and all the stuff that comes with it, it starts to create a cascade of worry until you're paralyzed and you can't do anything. You know all the right things to do, but you can't do it right now because you feel disconnected and you're hiding from people. Because when you get used to hiding from bill collectors, you start hiding from other people too. This is real. <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Amen. You get into those positions where, you know, I know I can do more. And then you get insulted when the, the job that's below you calls you and say, hey, we got something for you. That? Are you serious? <laughs> do you know what I do? <laughs> I know what you ain't doing. You ain't working. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But worry creates a paralysis in people that robs us of our abilities to advance. Worry comes at you. And that's why Jesus has to call it out and say it four times in a sequence of six passages. Do not worry. Don't worry. Don't do that. Don't worry. Seek the kingdom and his righteousness. What's the kingdom? Seeking God's kingdom where God is in charge, where God moves things around, where God turns the heart of kings. That's what you're looking for. Praise the Lord. The way I came out of that circumstances, I started seeking the kingdom. And I said, well, while I'm, while I'm not working, I'm going to volunteer at the church. So I started going to the church every day. And I volunteer at the church. I do something this. I do some of that. I do this stuff, different stuff at the church. I was doing it at the church every day. And then one day at the church, somebody says, you know what? I was talking to somebody. Uh, yeah, you probably don't want this. You probably, you're working somewhere else. You probably, I'm thinking, I ain't going to say I ain't working, but uh, <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> Amen. I still had some pride in me. I wasn't telling everybody I wasn't working. So the person says, hey, uh, this company I know, they're looking for, and looking for a director to do this. I said, uh, give me some more information. <laughs> they gave me the information. I went on the interview. The interview was crazy. It was like something was on fire outside, and an animal ran in the door. And <laughs> I'm serious, yeah. <laughs> And I just sat there through the interview. And they said, wow, if you're this calm with all this stuff going on, you're the right person for the job. I said, I didn't even ask him how much I was paying. Just, <laughs> just let me work. Give me a job, man. <laughs> Amen. But I saw the Holy Spirit move that when I got to the position where I got my mind off my crisis. Come on. When I got my mind off my crisis and I got my mind back on to him and I started recognizing, man, this is, I serve the God who's got all things in his hands. Man, I serve God who has the ability to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think about according to the power that he put on the inside of me. When I start focusing on him and the kingdom and I stop worrying about political stuff. Because see, politics is of this kingdom. 
It's not of his kingdom. Amen. His kingdom, his government of rule, his method of doing things. He is over all things. The word says that the heart of kings is in the hand of God and he turns it the way ever he wants. So when I got off of all this other stuff and I started getting back to, wait a minute, I serve a God who's able. I serve a God who, who can do things. I got back on that. He opened doors for me. And when he opened those doors, I went through those doors and those doors were opening more doors and those doors were creating more opportunities. And so God just continued to overwhelm and do more things through me because I started seeking the kingdom and not his stuff, the world stuff. Make it a priority. Make the kingdom your priority. Make the kingdom your priority. How's it become a priority? When you say every day when I get up, Father, thank you in the name of Jesus. Thank you. This is a day you made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad today. Hallelujah. I thank you. I believe the kingdom over my circumstances. <laughs> now you're putting the kingdom first. See, every situation you, you face, you're going to face it on the terms of your situation or the kingdom. And it's when it's your situation, you make decisions that sound good to your situation. Somebody started a church. They said, hey, man. I want you to be my assistant pastor. I want you to come. Come on, man. We, man, we work great together. And, man, we were. He's the same brother. We, me and him were on TV. We preached for six hours straight on TV. We, we, had, we worked well together. And it sounded good. But I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I'm not seeking that. I'm seeking the kingdom. Whatever you say, Lord, is what I'll do. And so I didn't go. Then a family member started a church. Hey, come with us. I said, oh, Lord, I'll ask the Lord. Lord, what do you say? What should I do, Lord? I'll seek the kingdom, not the stuff. Lord said, don't go. I said, okay, I don't go. Then the Lord cut me off. He said, okay, good. You keep asking me, but now you're going to stay where you are until I tell you to leave. So if somebody asks you, don't worry about it. I'll tell you when I want you to go. Amen. What happened? It wasn't the right place in either time. It wasn't the right situation either time. Now, you can do the thing that your emotion says, it's a friend, it's a family member, maybe I'll do this. But that doesn't mean it's God's will for you. Don't be ignorant, don't be unwise, understand what the will of the Lord is. What's the will of the Lord? The will of the Lord is not just moving around, the move of the world is, Lord, I'm seeking your kingdom. What do you say? When you get to this year, when you come up, when New Year's Eve comes and you sit down, you get ready to write down all of your your new resolutions for the year. Don't write anyone until you write first. I'm seeking the kingdom. (laughs) When you write down your resolutions, let your first resolution be I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and everything I do. I'm doing that. I'm going to let God do the rest and everything else. God will show you because God will convict you when it's time to do whatever else needs to be done. God will bring it to your heart when it's time to move, when it's time to do this or do that, when it's time to write a book, when it's time to do anything. God will convict you when it's time to do whatever, when it's time to move forward or to advance, when it's time to go left or right. God will tell you when it's time. And when you have sought him first, he'll get so comfortable with his voice that you're not worried about not hearing it. And if God ain't talking, then he ain't talking. Amen. Come on. Go to Matthew 4 and 17. I'm going to lay a couple, I want a couple of kingdom principles I want you to understand. Matthew 4 and 17, and then we're going to close with a couple of things here. But first, these two kingdom principles, three kingdom principles I want you to understand. Number one, the, the difference between the kingdom and religion is religion prepares you to go to heaven and the kingdom is telling you live right now. 
When I grew up, all I knew is that one day we're going to heaven. One day, one of these days, one of these days we're going to go. In the meantime, just hang on. Just hang on. Because one of these days we're going home. And guess what? We are going to go to a home, but we're supposed to live now. Because if, 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 if the king, if, if Christianity is just getting saved and holding on to the end, if that's what Christianity is, why do we need a whole big old giant book to tell us that? Just write, hang on to the end, and then I'll do that. If that was the Bible, if that was all that God wanted us to do, hang on, baby, hang on, baby. If that's all it is, just write that down. Hang on, baby. <laughs> and that would do it. That would press all we need. That's not what it says. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about, don't worry about tomorrow. Today. Today, right now is the time to seek the kingdom today. What does God want for you today? What does God want you to do today? What God, how does God want you to be a blessing today? How does God want to bless you today? All of it's in the book. And it's all there. So the first thing you need to understand, Matthew 4 and 17 tells us, from that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is where? It's at hand. It's not down the street. My wife, she's so wonderful. She calls me when she's on her way home. And she said, I'm right around the corner. <laughs> Meet me in the garage because I'm right around the corner. Which corner are you around? <laughs> let, me, let me clarify. Which corner are you around? <laughs> Amen. But the kingdom is at hand. Amen. See, this is important for you to know because you need to know that the promise of God are yea and amen, not tomorrow. They're yea and amen right there today. They're right now in the moment. The promises of God are accessible to us. Amen. Go to Galatians 4. Galatians 4, verse 5. Tell your neighbor, say, the kingdom is at hand. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. When you get there, say amen. I'm going to act like I'm waiting for y'all, but I'm still turning. Amen. Galatians chapter 4. Galatians, Ephesians. Here we go. Verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. If your lady says daughters too. If your man says sons. Principle number one of the kingdom is that the kingdom is here. It's at hand already. Principle number two is we're sons and daughters and not servants. 
We are sons and daughters and not servants. Why does that make a difference? It makes a difference in your identity. Now, we serve the Lord. But I serve the Lord like I serve my family. We're related. We're family. We serve each other out of love. A servant serves out of obligation. But kingdom people serve out of love. Somebody says, say it again. Servants serve out of obligation. Kingdom people serve out of love. And that's a kingdom difference. In religion, people are asked to serve, serve, serve out of obligation. And I, I will say this probably to my own detriment. If you don't love it, don't do it. <laughs> if you don't love it, leave it alone. <laughs> if you don't love it, don't worry about it. Unless God tells you to do it. Because sometimes God told me stuff I didn't love, but then I found out I loved it after I did it. <laughs> Amen. I didn't love audio stuff. But the Lord told me to do it, so I did it. And I went and I started loving it. I, I, I like running sound. <laughs> Look at the sound people back there. I like running sound. I love to run sound. Nothing, there's a thrill being behind the board. And so here's a ring. You're going to figure out where it is. I, I love that. I don't get to do it as much anymore. But I love it. I didn't love it before I did it. After I did it, I found out I loved it. Amen. I didn't like to teach. I wasn't teaching nobody nothing. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't. I did not know. I would like to teach, and then the Lord put me in a position where I had to teach. I said, "Wow, wow, praise the Lord! I like this." And the next thing I knew, I was I, I was coming to class with all kinds of stuff. And they were, "Oh Lord!" <laughs> I found it because I listened to the kingdom, and I obeyed. Amen. But I began to love it so I could do it. Principle number two, we are sons and daughters, not servants. Principle number three, kingdom people live by kingdom priorities over personal circumstances. Kingdom people live by kingdom priorities over personal circumstances. One more time. Kingdom people live by kingdom priorities over personal circumstances. <laughs> so with that in mind, how are you going to live this next year? See, word tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things are going to get added to you. So my question for you is, how are you going to live this next year? Amen. See, see God's will, see, this is what God's will is. When you read the Bible, we, and, and again, this hit me so hard. I told you I was having this dialogue with, with this uh, 
professor, and uh, he was arguing about the status of the church, and he said to me this, these words. He said, I don't go to church because I don't like church, but I believe the Bible. And another guy starts saying, well, the Bible's got inconsistencies. And as I'm getting ready to open my mouth, the professor who don't like church shut him down. <laughs> he pulled a pass. He pulled some, some Old Testament passages out and began talking about them and, and cut this guy. And somebody said, Pastor, you going to let him talk? I said, he's saying right. What am I going to get in for? <laughs> he's answering his own question. What I'm saying is this, the word is true. And even people who don't like church know the word is true. Even people who don't want to be in church want the word. So what does that mean? That means if we start seeking the kingdom, the kingdom is going to be manifested. I'm going to read you two more things real quick and then we're going to shut down. Listen to this. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees in Matthew 21. He said, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom before you. <laughs> he said, you know why? Because you're so religious, you just listen to stuff. He said, but I'm telling the same stuff to tax collectors and the prostitutes. And they say, oh, praise the Lord. God will accept us as we are. Yes, I'll receive that. <laughs> Amen. Jesus sent his disciples out to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. Church, if we can start getting our mind focused on the kingdom and start preaching the kingdom, that's how we're going to see people's chains broken. If we go preaching Christianity, it ain't going to work. If we go preaching church, it ain't going to work. We got to preach the kingdom. But in order to preach the kingdom, you got to experience the kingdom. So you got to first seek the kingdom. And when you seek the kingdom and God starts adding things to you, people will begin to ask you, how did you do that without doing this? You say, it's the kingdom. God is manifesting the kingdom around me. Thou, O God, are a shield about me, the glory and the lifter of my head. My God is able to do. And all those passages we talk about all the time, when we seek the kingdom, God starts to bring those things to us because the kingdom is heaven come down on earth. And if I, can't get you to, if I can get you to understand or embrace one thing, one thing only, is stop worrying about heaven. Start worrying about the kingdom. And let me change my words. Start seeking the kingdom. Seek the kingdom in all things. Seek the kingdom always. When we go into this year, seek the kingdom. Don't worry about anything else. Seek the kingdom, and God will speak to you and tell you the way that you should go. He says, I am the one, the holy one of Israel, the redeemer. I am the one who will teach you the prophet and show you which way to go. He said, just look for me. I'll show you how to go. I'll show you what to do. I'll tell you what to say when you get where. And I'll tell you for sure, I have seen so many times over and over and again, over again, when I don't have nothing to say, God will open my mouth and pour something out because I sought him rather than stuff. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right. I'm going to read you last quote from Miles Monroe. Then we're going to go get out of here. This is a different quote. He said, the greatest tragedy in life is not death, but life without purpose. Life with wrong priorities. Life's greatest challenge is in knowing what to do. The greatest mistake in life is to be busy 
but not effective. Busy, but not effective. Saints, we're going to go into the new year. We're going to be effective. We're going to seek the kingdom together. We're going to seek him together. And where two or three are gathered in his midst, in, together, what? He'll be right there in the midst of them. Amen? How two or three gathered when we're walking in one accord, when we're walking together. What does it say? It says that, that in, in Acts chapter 1 that the disciples, after Jesus' death, they heard him preach the kingdom. They went to the upper room. They prayed on one accord. And when they prayed on one accord, boom, the Holy Spirit showed up and changed the world that they lived in. Praise the Lord. Going into the next year, let's make a decision to change the world that we live in. Amen. Let's make a decision to make a difference in the world that we live in by not seeking our stuff, but seeking the kingdom all the time. And when we seek the kingdom in his righteousness, seek his kingdom and then be in the right position. And then all of a sudden, all those things that we're asking for, they get fall right behind us. Mm, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo, praise the Lord. I'm, I'm excited about the new year. I'm excited about the new year. Because I know there's going to be trial and I know there's going to be victory. Because you can't get victory without going through trials. Amen. I know there's going to be blessing. And I know there's going to be cursing. I know there's people going, somebody's going, somebody's going to get on their knees and curse me. I already know that going into next year. But I already made a decision that guess what? I'm going to seek the kingdom and I'm going to let God take care of all of that. I'm going to let the haters hate. And matter of fact, I'm going to give them something to hate. <laughs> I'm going to feed the haters. I'm going to feed them. You don't like me? You really ain't going to like me when you see this. <laughs> when you see this, you really going to hate me. But guess what? I don't care because I love you. Hallelujah. Because I'm equipped and I'm infused with the kingdom. I know what to look for. When things go wrong, I know what to look for. Look unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help comes from the Lord. My help ain't coming from the left or from the right. It's coming from the Lord. Amen? I know that already. And because I know that, guess what? I'm not going to be shaken up when challenges come my way. Amen? If my body feels wrong, I ain't going to get shook up. I'm going to say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Shake it out. It's going to be all right. Hallelujah. We're going to get up and move. Amen. Whatever happens, no matter what, God's going to do the work in my life. And he's going to do the work in your life because you're going to seek the kingdom. And guess what? He ain't going to hide from you. In the book of Jeremiah, he said, when you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. <laughs> Amen. Oh, mysterious God. God said, no, no, look for me. You'll find me. Trust me. If you look for me with your heart, you're going to find me. Ooh, I grew up thinking God was hiding himself from us. Mm. God said, no, look for me. You'll find me. Just look for me with all your heart. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for this word. Thank you. Let the word saturate your people's hearts today. Thank you for listening to today's message titled, Say Yes, Part 6. Kingdom Priorities. For more information about Abundant Life Worship Center, please feel free to check out our website at AbundantLifeWorship.net. We're excited about the information that you'll find there, and you'll find more information about us, our church and events calendar, and other messages that may be of interest to you by myself and by other associate ministers here. Once again, the site is AbundantLifeWorship.net. You will also find us on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash AbundantLifeWorship.net. God bless, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. And until then, remember that Jesus came to give you life, and that more abundantly.